0: High fly ball to center field, it's hit pretty well, toward the wall, gone, oh my god, they oh my win! Win! Andrew they're going crazy, the Pirates have won this game, raise the jolly roger. We're live baby, welcome to the Sad Pirate Podcast, the podcast for Sad Pirates fans, by a sad Pirates fans I'm your host pod father all-around best friend John Duffley been thinking about doing this for a long time I grew up a Pirates fan I grew up outside of the city of Pittsburgh Moon Township shout out Pirate Games I really started to attend and really pay attention probably in the summer of about 2011 uh, when I first started going to college it was just the summer thing to do We would go down and there would be all of about 6,000 people at PNC Park. Most beautiful park in Major League Baseball, hands down, no questions asked. But the problem was nobody went. There was no life. There was no energy. It was a franchise in the midst of 20 some odd seasons of losing, 20 seasons of flashes in the pan, if you will. And there was nothing. There was no hope. So it was really a chance to go down, get a little drunk, sit in the sun eat a permani sandwich, and move on. And then something happened. And in 2013, when they finally put some pieces together, they made the run, they go to the wild card game, the Quato game, it was on from that point. I was locked in, became a huge Pirates supporter of the club, I should say, of the ownership, Mr. Bob Nutting, fuck you. Spend some money. There are fans in the city of Pittsburgh, there are fans around, around the country, around the world, the Pirates pee, Hats, logo, everything is hard to miss, but the club has no support from up top. There are fans who want this team to be good. The city of Pittsburgh is a diehard sports city. Fan bases, Steelers, Pens, Pirates are just there. They are just floating in open water. And once again, here we come into 2022, but they're starting to put a couple of things together that in years past makes you think, Well, here we fucking go again. They're going to build it and then tear it down. If there's anything I can say as someone who has been following this saga for years and years and years is the addition of Ben Charrington, when they bring him on as general manager a couple years back, he tears the roster down to the bones. I mean, absolutely guts it. And then you start to rebuild it with the talent in the pipeline. They finally... Put some rubber to the road. We'll go over Key Brian Hayes deal in this episode. We'll go over some of the prospects in the pipeline. It's gotta come to a head at some point where you you have to actually put action to thought. And for years it's been, let's just kind of circle and circle and circle and never really have a plan. It feels like Ben Charrington, who built the Red Sox, helped to build the Red Sox for several years, has come over. He's wanting to build within. He knows he's not doesn't have a budget to work with because he's not going to put any money into this thirty five million dollar roster they have. Right now they're not spending anything. So you gotta you gotta build with what you have. So here we go. Twenty twenty two season. Pittsburgh Pirates are back. I'm a sad pirate fan. You're a sad pirate fan. Let's load the bases. These are the four biggest stories of the first week of the season. Let's go. number one every week sad pirate podcast we're gonna go over four big things you miss it's gonna be a weekly i'm gonna run through this first out of the gate baseball's back number one one and two so recording this sunday night oh, i don't even know what the, what it is uh sunday april 10th through three games finally got the first win on the board today boys here we go here we go the run for 70 wins is on one and two through the first three games against the cardinals first two were bad if you guys aren't watching them don't bother watching them yet We'll go over a couple of things, but the lineup is all over the place. Starting pitching's a mess, but they got a win today. So they're through their first three now. They're going to close the series with St. Louis on Monday, and they go on this run. And from a distance, obviously, I don't know exactly how the schedule compresses. They missed the first two weeks of the season because of the lockout and everything, but they got 16 in a row coming up here. So they got two at home with the Cubs. It's going to be the openers at PNC Park on Tuesday. If you're not there, get there. Then they got four four in a row against the Nationals going into that weekend got three on the road against the Brewers and four against the Cubs. They're going to go start home and it's just basically outside of the National Series. It's heavy NL Central right out of the gate. So 16 games in a row. They don't have the next day off until Monday the 25th. I mean, it's full steam ahead right now, but they got a lot of issues. They got to work through in a hurry for this club. Number two. Second story of the week. Starting pitching is really, really fucking bad for these Pirates. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of talk during training camp, during excuse me, spring training, everything coming around was uh, the starting pitching. If it if it can stick, if it can put something together, if they can find some sort of stability in the rotation, maybe they can do something. Maybe they could actually, you know, string some wins together, string some good time together. That was not the case. So J T. Brubaker started on opening day on Thursday, and got annihilated. So he went three innings, four hits, four earned, 68 pitches before he got pulled. Cardinals touched up everybody who came in outside of Will Crow, who, shout out Will Crow, had a good run. are 9 nothing. Cardinals win that first game of the series opening day. Wainwright started, Yadier Molina uh, obviously behind the dish, and uh, Albert Pujols coming back. So you got three over 40s for the Cardinals. It was just a celebratory welcome home, if you will, for for uh, Albert Pirates were just the victim. So 9-0 out of the gate. Brew Baker did not look good all over the all over the dish. And then on Saturday, the, the big one and the one that everyone's like excited for is Mitch Keller. I mean, he's a prospect who's been in the pipeline for a little bit. He's come up. He got touched up last year, but everyone is really high on this kid. Coming into Saturday, his first start of the year, he goes four innings, six hits, four earned, gets pulled after seventy pitches, only forty-four strikes. So not a good opening opening series for either of them. And then even on Sunday, when Bryce Wilson comes in, he starts on Sunday, another young kid, I think 25 excited, someone who they think has good stuff and, you know, can hopefully log some innings. He goes four innings, five hits, three earned, gets pulled after 64 pitches. But that was Sunday. Again, Pirates did get the win nine 4 that day, losing six to the previous day. So starting pitching is going to be an issue. Now they, they, they recalled uh, Ronzi Contreras from triple a, 22-year-old right-hander who they are really high on. He's number 70 on the MLB.com top prospects list. Ronzi Contreras, name to remember. They got a couple of like younger pitchers who aren't quite there yet. Quinn Priester comes to mind, but they need Mitch Keller, Bryce Wilson, especially. I mean, Brubaker's kind of, you know, he's been around for a little bit now, but they got to put it together. They signed Jose Quintana. Quintana? I'll get, it. I'll get it. The lefty who they know can just eat innings. Now, he's not going to, You know, shine the whole year. I mean, maybe, hopefully, knock on wood that he can. But he's someone who just eats innings. But they don't have anybody that you can lean on. Even you can't hand anybody the ball with supreme confidence in this rotation. Zach Thompson's gonna. You're gonna see him a bunch too. 28 going on 29. Someone they acquired last year. So again, it's it's gonna be fluid. It's gonna be a fluid situation. Uh, I mentioned Will Crow. He threw four innings between Thursday and then Sunday today. No hits, no earned. Um, he's their middle reliever. He may probably get a couple of starts here and there. Looked good out of the gate. So shout out to Will Crow. Outside of that, I mean, even the, the bullpen, um, it's a bunch of names, to be quite frank. I'm still learning outside of, like, Chris Stratton, David some names that have, like, been around who are going to be on the back end of that bullpen. But, again, they bring in Ronzi Contreras. He's going to be in the bullpen to start. Probably somebody who eventually is going to get, you know, he's get, they're going to hand him the ball for a couple of starts, and they want him to ultimately evolve into a quality right-hander, but still a young kid. said so just 22. Outside of, like I said, Mitch Keller, Bryce Wilson, even Jose Q, who knows? Who knows what the starting pitching is going to be? It did not look good through the first three games. Number three. Third story of the week. This is going to be the land of a thousand lineups. So... Derek Shelton changed a bunch of things through the first three days. There's really only a few staples that you're going to see throughout the entire year. The obvious are Key Brian Hayes signs the big deal. He's going to be at the hot corner on third, hitting near the top of the lineup. He hit first on Sunday. I think he hit third or fourth. He got pulled the uh, he got pulled on opening day um, when he fell on his wrist, but ended up coming back and hit third on Saturday. Brian Reynolds, he's going to hit second the entire year, center fielder. Someone who now they have Hayes signed. Brian Reynolds gonna be a little more expensive. They can get him inked. That's your that's your two three. However you want to stack them. One two two three, maybe even you know three four some days in your lineup. Those are the two you gotta you gotta get them inked. Put them as your building blocks and, and set it and forget it. They're gonna play all year. Ideally, the Pirates do not trade Brian Reynolds. There was a bunch of. Miami Marlins conversations during spring training of trying to package it and send him on. Uh, The Marlins wanted to acquire him. I didn't actually ever get a good sense if the Pirates wanted to send him. But it feels like if you want to build, these are your two. So you're going to see them all year. Kevin Newman, I started short every game this series so far. He's bounced around the lineup. But, you know, we got to just find a home for him, especially with some of the... Some of the prospects that are coming up, who we're going to get to in a second. And then Roberto Perez behind the dish, who's probably going to eat up most of those innings back there. They signed Andrew Knapp as a free agent just before the season starts. Both these guys are just defensive catchers. They don't really hit. So, you know, you'll have them down near the bottom and hopefully you can get a couple of good at-bats from them in spots. But replacing Jacob Stallings, obviously a gold glover last year. Uh, so Roberto Perez is going to be your your 55, number 55 back behind the dish um, with Knapp. Probably, you know, eating up some time back there too. But like I said, in the pipeline, so this is what's always the conversation with the Pirates, right? Be patient. You got talent coming. You got talent coming. You got to give them time. And when they get there and the pieces come together, you can make a run. It's not ready yet. It's not going to be ready yet. Probably not until 24, 25, whenever all these guys not only come and make the majors, but then put some actual service time in. You got to get in. You got to get get the at-bats. You gotta get time served before you can really get a good sense of these guys in the majors. Nobody is being talked about more than O'Neill Cruz. He's in Triple A right now. He is a mammoth. He is 6'7", He is six foot seven, two twenty. He plays shortstop. He's gonna be a utility infielder. So he's primarily a shortstop. He played about thirty games between AA Double A and Triple A at third base. He I think he had maybe a one or two spot starts out in the outfield. Throws righty, hits lefty. So he's a lefty out of the on the dish. Who you need? You need a power lefty, just to compete. Period. You think back of all the guys: Pedro Alvarez, Gregory Polanco, guys who the Pirates have funneled in. Who power from the left? O'Neill Cruz has huge power. He hit a home run in spring training that everybody talked about. It sailed. It. Flew. It was gorgeous, and he turned on that thing and launched that motherfucker. He hit 310 tens, seventeen home runs, forty-seven RBIs, and sixty-eight games between Double A AA and Triple A last year. So again, seventeen home runs and sixty-eight games is no joke. He hit five in the six games he played when he went to Triple A. So he can he can swing it. He can swing the stick. He's still a little raw. Again, he's he's a young kid. He's number twenty-six on the on MLB.com's prospect list. So. He's a quality, quality player who is just close. He's 23, he's on the verge, and everyone's kind of waiting for the Pirates to bring him up. Now, again, I think they want to kind of stew, let him get a couple of at-bats, also figure out the rest of their lineup. Like I said, they've been shuffling a lot of things around, but O'Neill Cruz is kind of next in line, and he's the one, when he comes up, he is not going to be hard to miss. (laughs) 6'7", he's a big boy who swings that thing. Uh, But then again, going through the rest of the pipeline, I mean, they got... Guys like Nick Gonzalez, who's primarily a second baseman. He's number 20 on MLB.com's prospect list. Seventh overall in 2020. Maybe we're going to see him later this year. Maybe not till 2023 if it doesn't really make sense. Or, you know, he's kind of progress is slow in the minors. Um, but another like utility infielder who's a good, good quality player. Henry Davis, catcher. First overall in 2021. One of those guys that they have to kind of fill the position right now with like the Roberto Perez's and Andrew Knapps of the world. Once Hank Davis comes up, that's going to be a guy who you want to catch 130 games or so. I mean, you want him to be back there every single day. Now, he needs some time. I think he's starting the season in AA right now. So, again, probably not until 23 we're going to see him. And like I said, you got to give him that other, you know, you got to give him time to figure it out a little bit once he gets up there. So, 23, 24, we'll probably see some more Hank Davis. And then Quinn Priester is another pitcher. Again, these are all top... Quinn Priester is number 53 on MVP.com right now. These are top 54, top 50 prospects. Quinn Priester, 18th overall in 2019. Another guy who is close. I, I mean, I think he's in A right now, but he's still got to get it figured out. So 23, 24 is kind of on the cusp right now. I mean, you got Leo Verpaguerro. You got Andy Rodriguez. You got some other guys who are like 23, 24, who were still in the pipeline that are still going to come. It's still got time to go. But once you start to see the other things that can fit around Brian Reynolds can fit around key Brian Hayes, you know, there's potential. There is fucking potential. But right now, I mean, they are just playing with God only knows how, how fucking Derek Shelton is, is putting this line together. Cole Tucker in right field. The first two days looked absolutely awful. He misplayed a fly ball. uh, got a late jump and just, just, Hit right in his glove, dropped it. In on Saturday, the Cardinals booth was making fun of Cole Tucker for how deep he was playing. They said, well, we've never seen anybody play this deep. What is he doing? There was a ball that went over his head that was a home run. Cole Tucker just ran into the fucking wall. He got a big jump, and he just bashes into that thing like he didn't know it was there. So on Sunday, he ends up hitting hitting, hitting the bench. They bring in Jake Marisnick, who is just a veteran outfielder, again, like a plug-and-play guy. There's a lot of positions like this that they just don't know what to do with. Talk about second base. Hoy Park on opening day started second, hit ninth. Josh Van Meter, second on Saturday, batted fifth. Diego Castillo, somebody they're really high on, like a young kid who's got to kind of get to figure out who's here now. Utility infielder, he played second on Sunday, hit fifth. He was three for five, so shout out Diego Castillo for getting his first hit, a shot of his dad and his grandfather on Saturday when he got his first major league hit. So, again, another guy who is a utility infielder who doesn't really have a home. You'd figure he'd probably settle in there at second base eventually. Hoy Park is, you know, one who they want to kind of play and go forward with right now. But second base was a rotating door. Door. Um, Yoshi Susugo, he, he, he was on first uh, Thursday and Saturday. Michael Chavis ended up getting the start at first on Sunday and hit a grand slam. So, if you didn't see it, pimp that thing up there. But again, first base, still kind of a question mark what exactly they're going to do with it outfield outside of Brian Reynolds' center. You're going to see Ben Gamble in left a lot. These are all these in-flux kind of positions that we're just going to see people cycling in and out, and you know who's going to get the hot hand is probably going to be how Shelton is going to build some of this. So this year is going to be strange. There's going to be a lot of moving parts outside of, like I said, those three, maybe four spots in the lineup, but it's going to be rotating with the DH now. Universal DH was instituted for Major League Baseball this year. We at least don't have to see J.D. Brewbaker and all the pitchers swing a fucking bat. So that's going to be fun. Fuck a pitcher hitting. Give me more bats. So Daniel Vogelbach, 250 pounds. Daniel Vogelbach is, and he looks like he's 270. Uh, he let off uh, both opening day and on Saturday, and, and, and was in a DH spot. Sutugo, Yoshi, I ended up being DH, on Sunday, so we'll probably see Vogelbach a little bit. And that man is big. I don't know what I don't know what your training regiment is, dude. But the Pirates are just one of those lineups that they have all these people who, as you get to know them, they aren't all star guys, but they're gonna hurt. So, so they're gonna have a good place in my heart, especially with uh, this season coming up. So, third story this week: Land of a Thousand Lineups. Number four, nothing else really to say other than it's about time that the Pirates guaranteed a contract and finally got somebody on the payroll to build around after McCutcheon leaves. You got, you got Marte who didn't work out. Key Brian Hayes getting eight years, $70 million, averaging just shy of like $9 million a year. I think he makes $10 million both these first two years on the contract. He's a club option for 2030, so he is tied for the next eight years. And emphatic about it. I mean, he seems like a he seems like a kid who is pumped, who is legitimately excited to be a pirate. Reading the post because article, he knows a lot of work to do. He knows he's got to be patient. He he understands, and he seems like he when he, the way he speaks and the way he presents himself and the way he plays too feels like a quality guy that you wanted to get inked right now. Team friendly deal is so huge, and especially for this kind of length because he's 25 right now. By the time he's 29, 30, 31. Key Brian Hayes could be a multi-time All-Star. He's got the talent to do it. It's for eight years, to, to tie him down for this kind of money, especially with MLB contracts being what they are. So to put this in perspective, this is the largest deal in franchise history. Next largest, Jason Kendall, who signed in 2000 for $60 million. So $70 million, even all the McCutcheon's deals, everything. Largest in franchise history since Jason Kendall for Key Brian Hayes. Second largest deal in MLB history for a player with just one to two years of service time. So again, Key Brian Hayes, $70 million. Second, before that, was Andrelton Simmons, who's a shortstop for the Angels. The largest, it's crazy to think about this, but Fernando Tatis, when he got to $340 million, I don't know who's ever going to touch that. Again, time served, less than two years. Key Brian Hayes gets $70 million, The largest, so that's again, Key, Key Brian Hayes is the second largest, and the largest is Fernando Tatis with three forty, which is wild it it goes to show that there is something about tearing everything down to the roots going just down to the foundation and rebuilding up that for me feels like an opportunity to celebrate i mean it's one thing to continue to be a pirates fan and continue to see this team just hurt the fan base shows up for zambelli fireworks shows up for concerts and all these things in pnc park But the product on the field is never anything that you can rely on. It it hasn't been for a long time. The 13, 14, 15 years were exciting, felt like something that could be built on. But being a small payroll team, being a small budget team, it should only last for so long. And then those guys got to go get paid. So you got to start somewhere. Key Brian Hayes getting eight years, $70 for me, feels like the start of something. To do it on, on opening day, it just has me giddy as fuck. So, I may be a sad pirate. This is the Sad Pirate Podcast. Hopefully, by the end of the year, this will be the Happy Pirate Podcast. Episode 1 in the books. I am emphatic, excited to be doing this. I hope that if you listen, you want to give me a follow on Twitter, at John Duthley, I'll be posting this podcast everywhere, however you may be listening. Very excited for another baseball season to be here. Very excited for the Pirates now to be back to close. I, I mean, I guess I have to give a prediction uh, for what I envision. If the Pirates get to 70 wins, if they if they eclipse 70, this is a good year. And that's not saying much. But if they get to 70 wins, uh, 70, 71, 72, 73 wins, something magical happened this year. They're probably in the ballpark of like 65 wins, though, give or take two to three off that number. I didn't look at what the Vegas line was for their win-loss, but again, this is going to be a long, tough year. They're not going to be good. They're going to surprise a couple of teams here and there. Maybe they go on a run where they win, I don't know, six of eight, something like that. They go on, like get a little hot in the summer, but it's going to be long. This is a rebuilding process. It is going to take a lot of time. And for right now, we are going to be some sad pirates watching along with them. I'll definitely be updating the prospects as we go through the season. And then we'll obviously be talking pirates all the way through. So hopefully to bring some people on as we get through this. Again, my name is John Duffley. This is the Sad Pirate Podcast, episode one in the books. Let's go Bucks. High fly ball to center field. It's hit pretty well toward- the Jolly Roger!